Hello again everybody and welcome back to Around the World in 80 Cigars with me your host Nick Hammond. I hope this finds you all very well. I'm just back from a much needed break for a, a, a week or just under a few days away in the UK uh, which was wonderful. I didn't answer any emails, very few texts, tried to stay off the phone, um, took the family down south and the weather was kind, the food was great, the pubs opened, uh, at least outside, and you could sit and have a pint and a bite to eat and oh my lord, how much we needed that. It's been great. Um, it was a bit chilly, uh, you know, the UK in April can still be darn cold. In fact, uh, there was a frost last night. So, you know, it's still gardener's nightmare. I've planted some chilli plants and I reckon a couple of those have been nabbed by uh, Jack Frost. That's a pain. Um, but we took bundles of clothes. I took my much vaunted heated vest and, uh, and it was lovely. Sat out at a pint with other people, you know, reasonably near. And to be able to go out and see folks and the happy smiles on their faces, just amazing. Um, and they were even happier by the end of the night, I can assure you. So I hope you're well. Um, what have we today? Well, a, a cracking chat, I always say that, I know, but you'll enjoy this fella. He really is a one-off, most unusual chap. And first though, let me uh, get a little housekeeping out of the way, as they like to say. Um, Firstly, my audiobook, a reminder that that is now available. Uh, the audio version of Around the World in 80 Cigars is now available via my website, uh, www.nick-hammond.com. Uh, and that's um, uh, the book read by its author, of course, me. Um, a downloadable file, you click on Make Your Payment, uh, by whichever means suit you, and uh, and we will send you the link to download it. Simple as that. Listen to it on your device uh, as you please. It's been amazing to see that zapping off, uh, wake up in the morning and see that folks in America and Australia and Asia are downloading it. It's uh, The world's an amazing place these days, isn't it? A shout out also must go to my uh, partners in crime in the pod, Souter Cigars, uh, we have a load of videos going up. Um, the Souta YouTube channel, have a look on that. Lawrence and I have been cooking up a few new things. Uh, in fact, I'm due to go back down there this week for some recording, uh, some filming. So that'll be fun. He's, we was on top form, abusing left, right and centre. Don't forget, we're still uh, live on Insta, Tuesdays and Fridays at 6pm. Join us for the Cigar Quiz, which is hugely popular on Friday nights at 6 uh, Lawrence and I catching up and uh, uh, dragging in a pal or two from around the world. Thanks also, as ever, to Rutherford's England. Um, again, please check them out, www.rutherfordsengland.com. Fantastic people making beautiful things. Uh, some wonderful uh, bridal leather, English bridal leather work. Exquisite stuff. Do check them out. And uh, not least, of course, is Bovida. Um, the masters of two-way humidity control. I've got some events coming up the next couple of weeks uh, that you might be interested in knowing about. I thought that might be a useful addition to the pod. 
just to let you know what my movements are in case you want to catch uh, some vids or Insta lives or events, ticketed events, I will um, grab a pen, uh, grab a, make sure you grab a pen, piece of paper or your, your diary and your phone and I'll let you know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, after the interview. But before we crack on uh, to that, why not settle back with your coffee, your cigar, whatever it is you have to hand uh, if you're on the train or the bus or in the car, just a little bit of uh, entertainment for you. I'd like to introduce you to a little interview with a chap that um, has always fascinated me. For some reason, we've never really sort of caught up. We've we've spoken, um, we've dealt with, emailed, and it's with one of those things. Sometimes you sort of paths don't converge when they needed to. So I th thought it's time to put that to rights. A couple of people wrote to me and said, will you get this guy on the podcast? I'll be really interested to hear his story. I thought, right, let's do it. And I finally did. I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to introduce you to Matt Booth of Room 101 Cigars. Tell me about yourself. I'm, I'm going I'm to record this conversation and we'll have, just have a chat. Um, I, know, I know, of course, bits about you. I've known of you for a long time. I think we've spoken years ago, but I've never really had the chance to catch up with you. And um, and thanks to our good friend, our good mutual friend, Pep, um, mm -hmm. we were in touch at long, long last. So um, without sort of taking you back over old ground, tell us a little bit, a bit about how your brand started, because I know that it's like this you know, just this growing or has been over the past, how long have you in the business? Is it nearly 15 years now? Uh, in, in the, in premium tobacco going on 13, uh, 12 okay. in market 13 from, from factory level. But I also want to um, talk to you about, about the jewelry side, because they're both very closely, obviously closely interlinked with your personal personality. And I know you spent some time in the forces over in Asia and that really picked all your boxes, really. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, long before I knew or had any inkling that I was going to be doing what I have been doing for nearly the last 20 years with our branded business, um, you know, I, I was absorbing influence, right? And, and you know, yeah. um, being deployed to uh, Japan. Uh, okay. Thailand, Okinawa, I saw a great deal of, you know, while, while a lot of the guys were, you know, getting drunk <laughs> at, on the base, I was out exploring the island yeah. and, uh, you know, and I was really taken by um, the power of the sculptural artwork, um, mm, specifically okay. at the temples, you know, at the temples in Japan, the giant um you know the neo the the temple guards yeah um a lot of the a lot of the very forceful protective characters and i started to dive deeper into you know buddhist mythology and understanding uh d discovering and understanding uh so, you know some of the characters there that had similar um and potent meaning you know and significance yeah, uh, I mean, I've system. been lucky enough to spend a little bit of time out there, and I get exactly what you mean. They're these very quiet, very still spaces filled with energy, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you if you can't feel, if you can't catch the vibe there, you might not have a pulse. You know, um, <laughs> exactly. I yeah. think that you know, and it and it all affects it affects everyone in a different fashion, but it's 
it's powerful, you know? Uh, and, you know, and then of course, some of the characters from no theater, some of the, the masks and whatnot. And, you know, all, all this basically, uh, all this basically became, uh, once I started dabbling in three-dimensional sculpture, uh, wax sculpting for, uh, as it applies to lost wax casting, uh, we, I, I you, realized. Was that your thing, Matt, you know, from a young age, did you always have a, have a bit of a thing for, for that, for art in that? I had, a, I had a thing for music. I had a thing okay. for sonic art, audible art. Uh, I was um, musically inclined right. uh, from a young age, uh, but was always very taken by uh, people's ability to take image from their mind and, and produce output with their hands, okay. you know, via painting, drawing, uh, sculpting has always been, I've always been very enamored with sculpting. There's something very cosmic, uh, to a lot of sculptors. Uh, they're just, they're just, they're just different kind they're a different kind of cat. Yeah. A sculptor is a different kind of cat. Yeah. Yeah. A, a mystic in many ways. Like, and if you come into contact with someone that's a very capable sculptor, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a magic uh, to them for some reason, you know? Yeah. They, and, they uh, see the world in a very different way. Don't they? I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. um, uh, what was I saying here? So, uh, you know, talking about diving into Japan and the culture, are, are they very welcoming yeah. for people that want to get into that? Do they look at you as if you're a bit odd or, you know, I think that they respect and appreciate anyone that truly respects and appreciates um, things that are significant to their culture. Right. You know, because uh, I mean, let's face it, this is like uh, going to Japan is like going to another planet. Yes. It's one of the Absolutely. most beautiful planets that you'll ever visit in your life. Right. I totally um, agree. Yeah. I, I, likened it to stepping into the film Blade Runner and feeling like, oh my <laughs> God, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, man. No, yeah, 100 for sure. So uh, I think that, you know, and, and really, like I said, I had no idea that those things were going to uh, realize themselves in a completely you know, new, uh, a, ch a chapter for me that was unforeseen at the time. Sure. Um, you know, and as I was, as I was pursuing a career in music in Hollywood, after I got out of the Marine Corps, you know, um, I was also very interested in and taken and enamored, uh, with some of the underground lifestyle brands yeah. that were, uh, that were very active at the time in Los Angeles and they, they weren't multi-class or multi-category as our brand is today. Um, but the roots of our brand, uh, were initially inspired by a lot of those lifestyle collections from Los Angeles. But what really got my goat, as they say, or some people <laughs> say, I, I don't I like usually that. use I that like term, that. but you got I don't one. even usually use it, but it just came out. <laughs> That's a good See, one. Nick, the, the, the key is to not think before you speak, because if you think before you speak, you're going to restrict the magic, yeah. right? Yeah. The magic all the, all the so, shutters come down. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyways, what really got my goat, as somebody said once upon a time, <laughs> was the discovery of Alfred Dunhill. Okay. The discovery of Davidoff. And not the Davidonians of today, but of yesteryear, of 1950, yeah. right? Yeah. And the, the true lifestyle immersion that was offered by each one of these brands. I mean, there's not many things that are more enchanting to me than the Dunhill flagship in Mayfair. Which has and just been sold, would you believe, Matt? Son of a bitch. Sold to yeah. who? Um, so what happened was, as you know, it was there at the, at the it was there in German Street for many years. Then it moved down mm -hmm. to St. James's to the bottom of the hill, just mm -hmm. opposite St. James's Palace, and was there mm -hmm. for some time not doing a lot. And then it was opened up. I don't know how, how recently you've been there, but for the last few years, it's been a very pleasant place to stop and have a cigar and a chat. Um, of course. And they have decided that, as you know, Dunhill now don't do cigars. And mm -hmm. in the end, they got fed up throwing money at it and they closed it over the COVID period. And then it's never reopened. And wow, a, But the good news is a cigar company from um, cigar business from a small retail business has taken it over. So there are still going to be uh, cigars in those walls, but uh, mm -hmm. they, they've lost the name of Dunhill and that famous address, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was the cheap, one of the most critical inspirations for everything that I do in terms of brand genetic, right. You know, the, the comp, the idea that you could walk into their little courtyard, you know, you could go inside and you could have your fine, you know, passport cover monogrammed for you while you're, you know, having a coffee, yeah. smoking a cigar, having a fine conversation all. And, you know, in the middle of the city, right? But behind those walls, very pleasant, very quiet, full immersion, you know, and, and I dreamt of creating a space like that in Los Angeles for many years, um, where all of our key wares could be housed uh, okay. under one roof, full immersion experience, you know, but as, as the Dunhill of 1950 was exactly that, my goal was to create Room 101, which, uh, you know, it would be as if the Dunhill from 1950 met Los Angeles, met Japan, all in this cataclysmic luxury lifestyle love baby, you know, and over the years, our brand has become something that uh, when people ask me to describe my brand, I say, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, you know, if Alfred Dunhill, Chrome Hearts and David Yerman had a brand love child. <laughs> with a girl from Boyle Heights. That's our brand. Right. You know, there's a little, um, uh, and, and Boyle Heights is not the most, well, I mean, now it's being gentrified apparently, but it's, it's oh, been really? not the most favorable area of Los Angeles for a long time. Uh, one, one of so many fine, uh, areas that you could visit yeah. when you come. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but there's significance in what I said, because that's, that's the greatest way that I could describe the pulse of our brand. You know, it's, it's a mixture of, uh, of several very, uh, uh, very potently meaningful sources of inspiration and, you know, truly techno retro, 
we make things the way you're not supposed to anymore. And with, you know, the, this, the, the phrase or the saying, they don't make them like they used to. Well, we do, but you're not supposed to. Really? Right. Why? And that's well, because it's not, you know, you're not maximizing profitability. You're not okay. all so these maniacal and mechanical, uh, you know, metrics, uh, to the, to the ways that you can produce goods. You know, I remember vividly one of my mentors telling me, you know, uh, the way that I wanted to make our rings was all wrong because they were too big, too heavy. You have to hollow them out in the back to make them cost, you know, the production cost less. Right. You know, and I said, I'm just going to make them the way that I want to, but thank you. And that was very young of me. Right. <laughs> and not so businessman of me. Yeah. Um, but a lot of our brand was was built on that, uh, you know, that heart and soul dynamic, not necessarily yeah. business dynamic in the beginning. Not just bottom line, but what you wanted to do, right? Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, this should have never worked, Nick, by <laughs> a long shot. It should have never worked 100 times over. So why yeah. did it? Well, because you, although we are not face-to-face, uh, fiber optically over the phone, you are communicating with one of the most stubborn human beings you will ever come into contact with in your life. <laughs> I right. promise you that. I promise you so that. If and, someone and tells was, you, if someone tells you, Matt, you can't do that, then you go, right out. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to do it. I believed in it. And I in a very quiet way in the back of my mind, dedicated my life to it before I even knew that I had done that. Yeah. This is what I've dedicated my life to is to realizing this brand. I know that over, you know, in past years, there's, you know, things on aficionado or journal have popped up with you saying Matt Booth, you know, decides he's had enough or he's not quite sure whether he's going to carry on. And, and, and that's quite telling as well. You know, you think you're going to move and then, when it comes to it, you don't. Well, that was a shameless press grab, Nick. If we're <laughs> be I lied about that. Um, Fair enough. But I also, you know, I also at the time, and you know, they say uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe I would have handled that a little differently if sure. me of today could go back. But at the time, the sentiment was to be caring and uh, polite surrounding the dissolution of uh, of an eight-year-long relationship with a distribution partner. Yeah. I want to handle it as as caringly as possible. Um, hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have afforded them that much, but you know what? It is what it is. Uh, it's uh, It was the way that I chose to sculpt the messaging surrounding that transition. And then just to explain to any listeners who don't know, that was, I think, around the time when the distribution of your brand or your cigars, rather, um, had been dealt with for some years by Davidoff. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. Yeah, um, we were partnered exclusively for the distribution of our products for eight years. Right. And that, and then they bought, uh, originally it was Camacho and they bought Camacho. Is that how it worked out? Yes. Okay. I was working in the Camacho factory in Don oh, Lee in right. 2008 uh, to develop what was to become the first Room 101 cigar. And it was during that period of time that they announced the acquisition. Yeah. Um, although, you know, optically, they were not consolidated for several years to follow that. 
no. behind the scenes, obviously the um, the nuts and bolts of it were uh, it was one company, but but uh, they they really operated as separate brands. You know, vi- visibly on the trade show floor, you know they they carried they held separate booths and you know had separate sales staff and and so on. And I was you know it was a very unique uh, experience for me to be a part of because. Although my chief interest was obviously to pilot my brand's business within those walls, um, I was able to essentially be a fly on the wall for a larger scale, you know, multi-brand consolidation. Well, it's quite a you know because quite a coup for you, you know, for what was relatively boutique small brand to be, you know, with this giant of the luxury industry, and you know, did you expect? them to immediately say thanks but no thanks we're off or were you pleasantly surprised when they said they wanted to continue that relationship well you know they saw the value you know they saw the value in the brand and although i think that at that time uh, a great deal of the larger houses i think viewed uh the boutique brands as more of an annoyance right or were confused by them i think that they saw in my brand, uh, a portability into the space. And I think that they saw in my brand an antidote um, to Tatuahi. Right. Because at the time, Tatuahi ruled the world, you know, which is, by the way, owned by a dear friend of mine. And I love the brand. Yeah. But but they were desperately looking for, well, desperately might be a little dramatic, but they were very eager to find an authentic solution to what was going to what was becoming a new segment of the market and was this during you know, um hans christian's uh, helm davidoff uh this was prior okay. and then i watched hans christian come in okay who by the way that. i love yeah lovely man lovely man in fact i'm gonna try and get him on as well because he's he's always got a good story to tell uh, oh he's a brilliant cat man shout out yeah. to hk please please tell him i said uh i said hi when you talk to him yeah, of course I will. I'd be glad to. And yeah. uh, and I, if I speak to Pete, which I probably will, you in fact you'll probably see him before me. But uh, Pete's a great guy as well. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. So let's talk cigars. Where did that all start? Were you uh, when you were in the forces? Were you uh, a smoking uh, a cigar man? So, so my first cigar was shared with my uncle Lee. Okay. Uh, right around the time that I was sixteen years old, and this was the White Owl brand. Uh, if oh, yeah, you're familiar, yeah. yeah, very fine cigar, and actually, uh, smoking with him uh, was so had so little to do with the cigar, and everything to do with sharing that moment with him, the coolest yeah. guy in my family, you know. That by the way, no one else smoked cigars other than him, and I was able to to share this moment with him. That no one else in the family could. How old you know, were you? Been I, about sixteen. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, for me, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with uh, many of the elements of smoking. Um, you know, the social and spiritual mm. uh, elements of smoking, um, and that dynamic of that shared time, that shared moment. That Absolutely. is that's far more intimate. Yeah. You know, for some reason, some cosmic reason, I, I don't think that there's any secret or mystery as to why that uh, the peace pipe, you know, uh, yeah. was loaded with tobacco. I, th- I think there is a uh, 
um, there's a, a, a deeply spiritual element to cigar smoking if you allow it to be right. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and cultures all over the world do it, don't they? So it can't be a mm-hmm. coincidence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so from there, um, you you know, okay. So you're trying to get into music, and you uh, which came first, your cigar brand or, or the or the sort of design brand? Oh, the well, our jewelry brand, uh, the the sterling silver element of our brand was the birth of Room One Hundred and One. This, okay. you know, I named I, I named the collection in two thousand three, although I had been you know tinkering with the craft since late in the year two thousand. And when you say um, that you named it, it's um it's a reference to George Orwell, right? Nineteen eighty four. That that is correct. Okay. Yeah. Why did you pick that? I, I think it's a little uh piece that is significant both to that story and I think uh to the messaging uh in that story. And and I didn't it's you know, room one oh one in that story is a, a place where very Terrible horrible thing. things occur, right? Yeah, yeah. And Terrible. I didn't name the brand that to connect directly to the act or the activities that occur in that room to be scary and mean, you know, but I, uh, named it room 101 because I am, a forever a champion of the human spirit and individual expression. And, uh, these are all things that we're trying to be stamped out in that, uh, in that story and quite frankly in many ways in life right so you know <laughs> that's why yeah. i named yeah and and that's why i named the brand room 101 okay you know? okay um so yeah the, the jewelry came first and all this time you're smoking stuff in the background presumably what sort of stuff are you yeah very casually using? man very casually you know but I, look i've always been a padrone fan right forever in quite frankly uh, the Padron 64 anniversary Principe size natural wrapper is the finest cigar ever created. <laughs> I mean, come at me if you think differently, because yeah, it's, you, uh, there's no there's no contest. No, can't really. You, I would I would well. order cases of this cigar. I would get into my oversized bathtub and I would allow people to fill <laughs> the bathtub with the Padron 64 anniversary Principe size natural wrapper. <laughs> And what are and the I would just, that is? Yeah, you're welcome. That might stick with you. Uh, <laughs> so you're uh, thanks for that. That'll keep me up. Yeah, at yeah, no, it's the least <laughs> I could do. It's the least I, next time you fire up a Padron, you you know, <laughs> you think of Matt Booth. It'll be very nice. So <laughs> uh, um and experimenting, man. I was a casual smoker, you know. Um, you smoke very differently when it's part of your livelihood and yes. when you know, a you know, 90% of your smoking is to, you know, monitor the consistency of your products that are in market. Right. Right. So, you know, going back to a time where smoking was solely for enjoyment, right. Um, I, I smoked, uh, uh, infrequently. And when I did, I, I tried to smoke the best, you know, yeah, I, I did. That. I did dabble I with a lot with Pete's product, and you know, as he came into the world, and and uh, and then, you know, when Dion first released Illusion, I was a tremendous fan, and and still am to this day. Um, well, I was going to say, um, 
you've got you know there's quite a sort of spiritual alignment i reckon between you and dion in many ways well look there's no secret or at least if it is a secret let us uh, let on nick's show it is no <laughs> longer a secret today the information Exclusive. is released well look if pete had not done what it was that he had done at that time my brand would have never existed in tobacco and neither would many others True. and then because dion came and then i presented my interpretation of what a premium cigar could be there are brands that are in existence today this is all uh you know another link in this daisy chain of delight True. you know it's uh the that the business the industry and this niche category have been evolving and growing you know in this way so um shout out to pete you know there are other people that i think set the stage for him yeah. but their fire had burned very brightly and tragically had burned out before pete had released that's why and uh you know he is the one that has remained and without getting all philosophical about it you know that's what life's about is the passing of the torch and all that jazz isn't it mm -hmm. so tell mm -hmm. us about tell us about your early sticks um where were they made they were made uh all, all of the cigars during that period of time were made in don lee at the camacho factory right. and by the time they had built their new facility i was transitioning on so they were made in the the now what would be known as the old Camacho facility, which was in the center of town in Don Lee. Um, and they were a disaster. Not the factory, but my cigars. Really? A disaster. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they were not what they could have been or should have been. Um, but you know, I went from being a casual smoker and enthusiast. Uh, to someone that had to immediately find his sea legs and bearing in a factory setting. I never Other than his own to be factory an expert, in Los Angeles. I'd imagine. What's that? I'd imagine, I'd imagine that as soon as you start your own brand, everyone expects you to be an expert and or says, what the hell do you know about it? Well, of course. And, you know, my, my you know, the way I've represented myself and continue to this day is, you know, I, I upon the release of my brand, I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to misrepresent myself. I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm working with people that have been reared in this. You know, I sit across the table from, um, you know, at the time it was Patty and Luis Aguilar at the, at the factory there. And, you know, these people have been reared in this business. You know, there are people around me that I come into contact with that are, you know, third plus generation, um, you know, members of tobacco families that have been born into this. Yeah. You know, there's, no possible way that I could ever catch up in my lifetime. <laughs> but what I do is, uh, you know, what I do, what I do do, what I do do, what I do do. You're doing a bit of a bit of bebop now. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not thinking before I'm speaking, and then I'm trying what to I like do. fact check myself after the fact. But I, you know, <laughs> was falling desperately in love with this community and this culture as i was discovering it on a deeper level i knew that this was something that i'd always dreamt of being a, a viable component of our branded business you know 
to resurrect the idea that um, a Dunhill-esque lifestyle collection could exist now today under, um, of course, more hostile circumstances. You know, back then it wasn't an issue to have tobacco as a component of your brand, you know. Um, but I never, I've never misrepresented myself. I, I, I love cigars and trust me, I've learned a tremendous amount along the way, you know, uh, I'm very proud to be able to sit down at the table, um, with someone at the factory now and, and long since have been able to, uh, participate in a way that that is influential and, and of value, you know, to the process. It's super cool. It's like writing music, you know? It's like you're activated in a jam session with someone where you're producing a product and mm. output that neither one of you would have produced individually. It's super cool, man. That's very true. Well, if you could distill your, you know, the 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 rookie you that went there and just sort of tasted stuff and said, I think that's good. If you could distill a difference between him and you now with what you, you know, now you're jamming and you know what tune you're playing, what, what would mm. it be? How would you describe that? You know, what have you, what's, what have you learned in a, in a, in a nutshell? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, in so many, look, I mean, Nick, in so many ways, I grew up in this business, right? You know, um, I, I, <laughs> I became a far, uh, stronger businessman. And, you know, during this period of time, I've had a family. Um, I, you know, I've grown older, right. Mm-hmm. But but uh, in many, many ways, I've grown up in the cigar business, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying I've grown up from the first days of my life. I don't want uh, to make a statement that's somehow, you know, you got to when you when people li- actually listen to what comes out of your mouth, you sometimes have to be very caring in the way that you tailor the words <laughs> and the, uh, that come out of it. Right. But right. I'm saying I grew up in a in the sense that I became a far better person, a far more mature person. And the way that I handle my affairs, the way that I handle my business right. and interact in my partnerships today are light years beyond the the child that I was when I came into this business. And you what know? about cigar-wise? In what way? Would you, what would you say um, is, the, is the greatest lesson you've learned along the way about making good cigars? Oh, wow. You got to be in it. You got to be in it, man. You have to be authentically vested in the process. And this is not, you know, this is not accounting. This is not a craft that has long since been euthanized of its heart and soul component. Right. And quite frankly, I believe it'd be impossible to do so, you know, and that's one of, you know, we could start creating a list. One of many things that I am, so desperately in love with um, uh, when it comes to our business, our craft and our culture is just that it's something that is piloted by the heart in many ways, right? There's no maniacal, uh, you know, scientific, I mean, there, and there are people that are applying science to blend and I get that and I respect that, but you can't tell me that when I, from the first time this occurred and it continues to occur throughout my career, if we want to be so brazen as to refer to it as a career, right? That when I lean into or into the first, okay, backtrack. 
The first time this occurred was in the blending loft of the factory in Donnelly. I leaned into a bin of tobacco. I inhaled deeply and I am immediately teleported back in time to about 10 years old. I am in a small stable. I am with my mom and the one luxury that she ever afforded herself in her entire lifetime while she was able to do it was she had a horse. Right. She loved riding horse and tending to the horse and having a horse. And I am in the barn. I smell the hay. Really? Wow. Vibrant, viciously in my nose pipe. I smell the hay and I smell it in such a way that it takes my mind immediately there. And I say, hey, let's try to use this. Okay. I mean, just super, you know, juvenile, like, you know, one of the first like five trips I'd been at the factory. What the fuck do I know? Can I say the fuck, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say what you like. Okay. It's my show. (laughs) What the fuck do I know? Right. (laughs) But the kid says, let's try this. And of course, they're like, uh, Matt Booth, Matt Booth, whatever. And we try it and it works. Really? And Nick, I promise you to this day, if I have that experience with tobacco, I always say use it and it always fucking works. Yeah. And so you can't tell me that there is not something cosmic afoot here. I refuse to believe anything else, you know, because I've had experiences that, re- uh, that reinforce that. That's, you a know? Great, that's a great story. So, and then that is about your senses in the moment. And if there's something that's that powerful, then someone's trying to give you a message, right? Absolutely. Time travel. I believe because of my activity in the cigar business, I believe wholeheartedly that time travel is real and I've experienced it, but in that moment and, you know, and, you know, I was talking about this, I was on another one, you know, interview type thing. And, and there were several brand owners present and Dion was on there, you know, and, uh, you know, I remember, I very much enjoy his Candela, yeah, right? Me too. And I don't smoke good often, but he really, I mean, that thing is, is balls, man. It's fantastic. Yeah, he nails and it. He nails it, doesn't he? He did. And I vividly remember where I was when I smoked my first Candela. I vividly remember where I was in the circumstances surrounding the time that I smoked my first Fuente and Yeho shark. And these cigars were such powerful experiences that they like psychologically geotagged them or they geotagged me. I don't know which is which, right. But how, how can that not, I mean, it's, that's, that's powerful. You know, it's a powerful experience. Not to no, get very no, mushy true. about it, but you know. no, no, you're absolutely right, and that's interesting. I, I make exactly the same point in my book, except that I call it. It's like they stick a flag in the mar- in time and in the ground right mm-hmm. there and then, and and you can go back to that flag and remember what you were feeling like, how hot it was, what the smells were. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, 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 that is just so true. And um, before we, uh, after we get off air, give me your address and I'll send you a copy of the book. And um, but yeah, I put it as like, it's like a spinning globe and there's loads of these little flags on it. And as soon as you hit that Mm -hmm. spot, you go bang, I'm back in Borneo or, you know, Tokyo or wherever it might be. That's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, the funny thing is, is as we continue to discover, right. As we're on this episodical and, you know, endless voyage of discovery, right. And yeah. our lives, Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as it relates to our lives in tobacco, 
you know, you keep having these, uh, uh, you, you have these conversations and I find more and more often that we're saying the same thing <laughs> in our own words. Yes. You know, we're, we're, we're describing this, this experience as we see it. And it's really this, I mean, in many ways, you know, it's the same thing we're saying. We're just saying it in our own language, you know, in our own personal vernacular. Yeah. And society and language shifts to, to a certain degree. And so, you know, you you have to say it again in a different, slightly different way, but the story is still the same story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> just like you would say bin man for yes. garbage men, which I discovered that recently, which yeah. I love that. Yeah, the binman. Yeah, I, the binman. Do you um? Yeah. Do you tip the garbage men? Because at Christmas we tip the binman, or at least, you know, the decent folk amongst us, because they do such a great job all year. We run out and give them a fiver or something. Do you tip the garbage men? That's amazing, bro. No, we don't. And that's you know what, man. I'm gonna start doing that. Yeah, uh, in fact, except I'll run, I'll go, run sorry, some money on. out to the garbage man. They'll be like fuck do you want you know like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what do you want what, what, what are you after <laughs> my kids one year we um when the kids were little it was easter and i can't remember what it was but my wife is very good at that sort of thing she always says no no we must look after who xyz and uh and she put an Easter egg out there, I remember. And I said, for Christ's sake, you know, you've got half a dozen great smelly, burly binmen. What, are they going to yeah. share this Easter egg? <laughs> that's, that's a super, super cool practice, though. Yeah, it's very binmen. sweet. And it just um, makes you think about others briefly, doesn't it? Which is never a bad thing. Yeah, that's super um, cool, man. Let's talk about, before we go, I know it's the start of your day and you need to get on. Um, very quickly, then, tell me, if someone goes, you know, finds one of your sticks, is given one of your sticks, buys one of your sticks, wants to, what what would what should they expect? What should they expect from the experience of smoking a Room 101 cigar? Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> you will experience. It will be so visceral. It will be so cerebral for you you will have the ultimate in all of your pleasure receptors <laughs> activated simultaneously throughout your entire body love it through the mouth receptacle the cigar will be placed hopefully in the mouth i mean i would hope right you never know and it's placed in well look man i mean well, it's another, that's it for another interview. Yeah, but yeah, my yeah. point is, is that you, you will place this pleasure delivery system, this vessel, this cylindrical vessel, and, and sometimes smashed into a little square shape, as we know sometimes, mm -hmm. with the greatest cigar on earth. But, but unlike that one, ours, right, cylindrical in nature will go into the receptacle. You will ignite. The combustion will allow the, 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 the the sultry and sensual smoke to then chief through this vessel into your mouth pipe <laughs> cascading across your palate oh man if they if they could scan your brain mm -hmm. whilst is it whilst or whilst nick whilst. you're a gentleman you'll know whilst. it's whilst mm. okay so whilst smoking the room 101 cigar 
they would actually see that different parts of your brain would actually be activated than when smoking other cigars. Hmm. Nipples may become erect. You don't, it's, it's the pleasure unbridled <laughs> and without bounds. Un oh. Endless, so. endless depth. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> like Turkish bathhouse. No, I will sit on my deck and smoke a room one one cigar and hmm. have tenfold the pleasure. Thank you. When are we going to get them in the UK? Well, you know, I have been talking. Was that a sufficient explanation? It was. By the way, well, as I said, I'm sold. I want to know where I can buy them now, Matt. You know, I was uh, I was conducting uh, an event promotion at one point, and I I I like to write a little bit, as you may or may not have noticed. I like to write, uh, yeah. you know, little creative ditties to promote our product, and uh, you know, and I like to explain them in in ways that trigger you know, not the standard or fair or pedestrian nature in promotional language, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I like to explain the personalities of our cigars and I, I'll never forget. I was somewhere in the South. Right. And a gentleman came in, he was asking, you know, about our cigars. And I, I typically describe one of our Connecticut cigars as erotic because it is. Okay. Uh, and you know, we go through the whole thing and this fine Southern gentleman uh, said, now, now, uh, which one did you say was erotic? And I said, this one, he's like, I'll take a box. And he just really? walks <laughs> away from me to the cash register really? and conducts his business there. So uh, I don't even know what, where I was going with that. I was just, you know, <laughs> I was, I'm just enjoying the conversation really, you know, that's the whole point. Listen, you need to crack on. Um, Thanks so much for spending some time with me, Matt. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you. This my are you trying to get rid of me now? <laughs> well, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, if you want to carry on, Matt. <laughs> Look, I've I've been gotten rid of. I've been kicked out of finer establishments, Nick. Okay, <laughs> I know what it feels like to be okay. It's Thank a, you. a bit. Yeah. It's just a little. It's just a little too weird. We're just booths gonna. We're just gonna go. Yeah, it's go a down. gentle. Let's... It's a gentle hand on the small of the back, guiding you towards the exit. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for your time, but uh, that'll be that'll be quite enough. Thank it'll you. Be Thank you very much. Don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay though. I understand, Nick. It's Brilliant, fine. mate. Thank you so much. Give my love to Pet and. Um, yeah, send send me your address, would you, so I can get your book over. No, it'd be my. I, I will, and uh, and uh, hit me up anytime, man. I've really enjoyed this, and I and I genuinely appreciate you taking the time with me. I know that you, uh, as a gentleman of leisure, have your choice of anyone to have on your your podcast. So uh, oh, thank you very been, much. Uh, no, it's a pleasure, mate. You've been requested by loads of listeners. Um, you know, oh. in all seriousness, can you get Matt Booth on? Can you get Matt Booth on? And then I was chatting to Pep. He goes, yeah, he's my mate. So Bob's your uncle. Nick. Yes. We totally skipped over the whole thing. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to, our cigars are going to be in the UK this year. Oh, hell's bells. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But I've been sworn to secrecy. Have you? So can about you, tell other... you, can't, you can't tell me about the who's a distributor yet? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm now I'm now I'm scared. Okay, I'm, I'm scared that my mouth has said things that it should not have. <laughs> Listen, I'll turn off the record and then we can talk, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let me do that. Cheers, Matt. There you go. That's uh Matt Booth for you. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. 
Brilliant chap. I told you he was uh, an unusual guy. Great fun. Uh, what else do I need to tell you? Um, yes, dates. Let me have a look. So we have... Coming up, uh, I have... Bear with me while I just check. Next week, um, we have... On the 28th, we have the Drew Estate event that I'll be hosting for Souter. It's a ticketed event, and the legend that is Jonathan Drew will be on with me. I'm absolutely thrilled to say. Uh, if you haven't got your ticket for that, get in touch with Souter Sharpish, www.souter.com. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, also earlier that day, actually, the 28th, I'm uh, joining Steve Johnston of Robert Graham for another of our Chew the Fat live Insta sessions at 1pm. Just log on to Insta, find Robert Graham, 1874. Um, and Steve and I are going to be chatting. Uh, we're going to be... What are we tasting? Um, certainly Rasse uh, whiskey, I know that much. Um, uh, so catch up with that. 29th is another Robert Graham uh, event in the evening with Christian Aroa. Uh, so uh, that's a ticketed event, so you'll need to speak to them about that. Um, and as well, of course, as the usual Tuesdays and Fridays live instas with LD. Uh, first week of May, Habanos Festival has gone online. That will be interesting to see how they manage that three days or three afternoons of events um yeah be interesting to see how that one goes internet is not the best in cuba so we'll see uh that's about it for this week i hope you enjoyed that chat um and as matt says his cigars are coming to the uk soon i can exclusively reveal to you uh, hopefully they'll be available this summer um, I had a chat to him offline about the details for that and when the time is right for him uh, and whoever's bringing them over then uh, we will let you know you'll be the first to hear um, about Room 101 cigars and where you can get them in the UK when they come out that's an it for this week I hope you enjoyed that I hope you're all well enjoying a little bit of sunshine and enjoying a bit more freedom at long long last uh, stay safe, don't forget, just uh, be sensible and look after each other. All the best. <laughs>